Bible nearby. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. We as a church uh, are, are built around two, two covenant uh, relationships. And um, the first covenant relationship, well, first of all, covenant is a pretty important term. Um, Covenant is a it's a relational agreement, and um, basically saying when you enter into covenant, you're saying this is this is how we're agreeing to live together. You know, it's not like a business deal; it's about an exchange of goods and services, that kind of stuff. Covenants are, are relationally based, and God has always made covenants with His people, and uh, kind of just setting the, the terms, you know. And uh, and so the way that covenants would work is you have the two. You have the two parties who are, are trying to set the terms of the covenant and how that relationship is going to look. And then you have, uh, you have a, a sacrifice that would be made. Um, an animal would be, would be killed as the, the covenant was made. In the Old Testament, they, they would, you'd say that you were cutting a covenant. And the cutting part was when you cut the animal. And you literally cut the animal in half, laid it down on the ground, and the two parties, once they were in agreement about what their relationship was going to look like, would walk through the middle of the two halves of the animal. And that was cutting a covenant. And you're basically saying, if I, if I break my part of this covenant, may this, may, may this happen to me. You know, what has happened to this animal what will happen to me. And, um, and so that's how, that's how God has, has worked with his people from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. It's basically comes down to, uh, this sentiment of God saying, um, you, you will be my people. And I will be your God. Seems like a pretty simple covenant. You'll be my people. I'll, I'll, will literally, um, have possession of you. I will write my name on you. I'll actually change your name to a name that I am, am choosing. You'll sit at my table. You'll be in my family. You'll live with me forever. You'll be my people. And, uh, and I will be your God. I will reign and rule over you. And, uh, that, Everything that is mine is yours. Uh, I will, will share my life with you, and uh, we will will have that kind of relationship. That's how God's done it. And so, uh, so our existence as a church, like like I said a second ago, it, it falls under two covenants. The first covenant is what the Bible calls the new covenant, um, which is the covenant that we've been singing about that that Jesus uh, made a reality for us because of. Uh, his death on the cross and resurrection and all that, everything, everything we've been singing about. And so, um, so Jesus comes in and the reason why we talk about new covenant in those terms is that he came to earth, left, left heaven, came to earth, was, you know, took the form of a, of a human. Um, and he, he fulfilled all three parts of the covenant that I just talked about, you know. I said you had the, the two parties that were making an agreement and then you had the sacrifice. Well, him being fully God, he represented God. Him being fully man, he represented mankind. And him being slaughtered on the cross, he was the sacrifice that was made. 
So all three components of a, of cutting a covenant are represented in him. So when we, when we say that we are, are part of the new covenant, we're really saying we're part of Jesus because he literally is, he literally is the new covenant. And so the first thing that makes us a church is Jesus. All the stuff we've been declaring and singing about tonight, that's what makes us who we are as the ring community church. But also as, that's what makes us who we are as a part of the, the global church. And so we have, uh, like, we're a part of the same covenant here as they are in, as Christians in underground churches in Pakistan and, um, you know, freely worshiping churches in, in more open countries and that kind of stuff. We're, we're united in this brotherhood globally that's not only at this present time, but going back all the way and back until, you know, Peter and Paul and the apostles and stuff like that. We're a part of the same covenant that they're a part of. They are siblings of ours under this covenant. And so our existence as a church begins there, begins with Jesus. Um, the second covenant that we're a part of, though, is our church covenant. And um, I know that uh, that everybody that's a, that's here tonight, everybody that's participating, you know, in life within this community is not the, is not a covenant member. And and I get that. And um, for some, you know, some of you just keep forgetting about membership classes or this and this. And some of you just kind of aren't there yet. Some of you, you're still checking things out. Some of you are probably scared of something. I don't know why. But uh, I, I don't know. There's probably a lot of reasons for that. And that there's no no sort of like you have to be a covenant member to be involved in things. That's not how, how we work or whatever. So I don't want anybody to feel weird about it. Um, but uh, during our 30 days of prayer that we are a week into, how's it, is it going okay? All right, good. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, and uh, so we're a week into this 30 days of prayer, and we are praying through that church covenant. And so um, you don't have to be a covenant member, but you have to be okay with us praying through the church covenant and kind of talking about it and that being a part of how we're going to do things. And it's really just a reflection of what we're trying to do. Um, so for our covenant purposes, we have have this document that we put together that is doing kind of the same thing like I described earlier. It's setting the terms of what of what this relationship is going to look like among us and among us and the Lord and among us uh, like individually as well. And uh, so this document kind of helps us understand how to navigate through that. So we have set the terms of our relationship as a church. And uh, so um, so instead of two parties, you have like a bunch of parties to, together. And Jesus is one of those parties, and he's all a part of this. And we don't have to sacrifice an animal because he was... Like, he's his sacrifice once and for all. So you'll be relieved. We won't be cutting open a donkey or anything tonight and walking through the middle of it. That's all been, been done. And so, um, so our existence as the Ring Community Church, this particular local expression of the greater, you know, greater church, um, we are unified under this, this covenant arrangement that says this is how we're going to exist. This is how we're going to treat each other. This is what we're going to be committed to. This is how we're going to handle things and whatever. And so as we pray through, phrase by phrase, line by line, what we're really doing, it's 30 days of prayer, but it's also 30 days of covenant renewal. And we go line by line, phrase by phrase, sometimes, you know, in a big, long phrase, sometimes it's like one little word. Um, but we're going through little by little and, and renewing our commitment in these very specific ways. Uh, the Lord's Supper is kind of a covenant renewal on our end of the, that first covenant. And what we're doing right now is a covenant renewal of that second covenant. Um, and so what I, I want to do tonight is, uh, and tonight in the next few weeks, Sunday nights, community groups, and uh, yeah, those two things are going to tie in with 30 days of prayer. And 
so that all of our streams are kind of flowing as one river, so to speak. So there's a lot, a lot of overlap, and we're kind of processing things well together. This is also in anticipation of us of our move at the end of February. That we're kind of getting back to okay, let's not forget who we are, because when we move over there, it's gonna it's gonna look different, it's gonna sound a little different, it's gonna it's gonna have a different feel to it, whatever. Um, but the important stuff doesn't change. And uh, before we moved over here a couple of years ago, uh, from the from the we used to meet at Parkview Baptist in their gym. That's where we started off. Before we came over here, there's a lot. Of, we we're all kind of nervous. Like, what's it gonna be like? And this and this and this. And, uh, I, I'm obviously if you've been around for a while. I'm kind of a movie. I'm not a movie buff by any means, but like, there are certain scenes in movies that really have an impact on me, and I just like to use those sometimes. And uh, there's uh, in the movie Hoosiers. I'll make this really quick. Uh, you know, small town basketball team ends up going to the state finals or whatever. They've only played in these little podunk gyms, and they're going into this big arena. And Gene Hackman, before they get on the bus, I might remember this. And this no spoilers, don't worry, because uh, they win, so don't worry about that. Uh, Gene Hackman, he goes in their little gym and he measures the uh, measures the, to the free throw line, has them you know mark it down, measures the rim, you know how tall it is, and that kind of stuff. And then they get on the bus and they go whatever. And, so they go into this big arena, and they're like, whoa, this is the biggest place I've ever been in my life, and all this stuff. And uh, and so he has them do the same thing. He has to measure the free throw line there. And it's the same as the one in their other place, you know. He has to measure how high the rim is, and it's the same as their other place. And and through that, they're learning, like, okay, the important things that we've come here to do are going to stay. The free throw line, that's important. The height of the rim, that's important. Um it's going to feel different in this big arena and all that kind of stuff. But, but really, what we came here to do is going to stay the same. That's when we go to over to Grace Baptist. It, yeah, there'll be some differences, but the the important things are not going to change. And so, by renewing all this stuff, it's going to help us keep that intact. Um, so, when you look at our covenant, um, there's like an introduction that basically says that we, like everybody that's a covenant member of our church, uh, has been uh, has been saved by Jesus. We've been baptized into the church, and we're like entering into this covenant, and we mean business. That's the first paragraph, sort of. Uh, then, then it's our commitment to God as a church. Then it's our commitment to one another relationally, and then it's our commitment to the to the ring community church as an organism. Is the next paragraph, and then, then there's kind of a, a P.S. at the bottom. It's like you can't do this on your own. So, um, what I want to do tonight is I want to look at that that part that talks about. Um, our commitment to the Lord. And so Nathan, he's going to throw, this is the entire commitment that we've made to the Lord, that we've said we're going to do this together. Um, uh, it says, we commit to pursue a more intimate relationship with God for His glory by devoting ourselves to prayer, the study of God's Word, the pursuit of holiness, and life in this Christ-centered community of faith, hope, and love. All right? So, sounds really good, doesn't it? I mean, that's like well-worded, somewhat thorough, we could probably list a whole bunch of stuff or whatever, but but that's what that's what we've said. We're looking at this statement. We're saying, okay, as a church, our covenant agreement is that we are gonna we're gonna pursue like knowing knowing Jesus. That's what that's what we're gonna be about. That's our commitment to Him. Um, we just we want to know Him. We don't want to know about Him. We want to know Him. And and so because we want to know Him, we're gonna devote ourselves to these things that help us know Him. So how'd you go to Philippians three? Uh, we, we don't take this just out of Philippians 3. We take this out of the whole Bible because from front to back, the, like the Bible is pushing us into relationship with God. Remember, I will be, I will be your God, you will be my people. That's a relational thing. Um, 
the Shema, love, uh, well, part of the Shema, about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, teaching it to your children, talking about it everywhere that you go. This idea that that's the most important thing starts at the beginning of the Bible. They ask Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He says, love God with everything that you have. Love Him. Know Him. Um, so this passage is not just one, this is just one of many that ex- expresses this. But I feel like Paul, um, the way that Paul says it is just, it's pretty phenomenal. Look at verse 7. Um, he's been, he's been talking about his, how everybody's real hyped up on credentials. Um, and so, uh, like credentials and that tying that to righteousness and all this kind of stuff. Uh, when I say credentials, I mean like your, like your heritage, your bloodline, what, what part of the, what tribe you're in in Israel, all that kind of stuff, how trained you are, how holy and devout you are, and all this kind of stuff. And Paul's basically been saying, like, look, I have every, I have every single, like, box checked on, like, ideal, like, things that everybody wants in this culture. Everybody is, whatever, every single one of them I have. Um, he's, and he's about to say, like, but it means, it means nothing. Look at verse 7. Um, Philippians chapter 3. It says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Okay. Whatever in those boxes was that you guys think is like such a credit, said I, I put it in the loss column. Y'all are all hyped up about all this stuff and you, you think there's so much to it in, in regards to righteousness, but what I've learned is that it, it's loss. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. Um, verse eight says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Okay? The surpassing worth of knowing Christ. You, you think about, like, really what's going on is in, in that culture, all those things that he had listed in the verses that we didn't read, those were like the biggest deals to everybody. So he's saying, all that stuff, knowing Jesus, just sur- it's so far past that. Like, you just, you just can't even imagine him to express to you, um, how much past that. I think for us, we can, we can make similar connections. So if we were to make a list of all the things that, that our culture places tremendous value on, saying like, you're a, su- you're a success if this has happened, uh, you're winning if this, this is like you, what your life looks like. Um, for those who have accomplished so much and have just hit the nail on the head over and over and over and over and over, um, Paul's saying all that stuff, put it in the lost column. That's not about being successful at your job. It's not about making a lot of money. It's not about having, like, having, uh, it's not about getting married and having a great marriage. It's not about having a bunch of kids. It's not about retiring early. It's not about, um, in- investments. It's not about cars. It's not about status. It's not about national championships. It's not about any of that stuff. Um, take it all, all those things and put them in the loss column when you compare them with what, it, with, with knowing Jesus. Now he's not saying that his credentials are all, they're not like from the devil. And all those things I just listed, I'm not saying all those things are terrible. But when you're comparing them to knowing and loving Christ, there's just no comparison. That's, that's where Paul is. Um, verse 8 again, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. 
We said in the in the prayer deals in the the, uh, the devotion this week that word rubbish can be taken a couple of ways. One, it could be dung, but it's actually a much more uh, harsh word than dung. Call it you, whatever. Uh, or it can it can be like garbage that is decaying and rotting, or it can be uh, it can be like a dead body that is rotting. Um, I don't know about you, one of the grossest things in the world is a big puffed up, you know, raccoon on the side of the road. Um, like that, to me, I don't know what it is. I, I think a part of it is one time I was, I was with some guys and we had a flat tire and we were right on top of this dead rotting thing and, and, but we didn't have the tools in the car or whatever to change it. We had to wait for somebody. And so for like two hours, we were there and just smelled the stench of this thing, but we didn't know what it was. We weren't smart enough to like push the car further or whatever. And, uh, I think I just filled, just my lungs were just filled with that stuff for so long. It just grosses me out. But regardless, okay, dung, rotting garbage, rotting body, it's, it's, it's bad. Let's just go with that. Saying if you want to, you want to compare my pedigree to knowing Christ, I look at my pedigree and I look at it as a rotting corpse. Compared to that. To the joy and the fulfillment of treasuring and knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's that's it. There's no there's no comparison. I think you know here here we are in a world where we're I don't know like we we want to value one another. We want to value spouses and kids, and we want to work hard, and we want to like provide you know for families, and we want we want to um, to to see finances you know money as as we talk about like grace that. Jesus like sends to us to meet our needs and the needs of others. Like we want to, we want to be a part of all those things. And please don't hear me saying any of that stuff is is bad. It just it just doesn't compare. If you're forced to compare it, he's basically saying, okay, there's knowing Jesus and everything else is like a rotting dead body. Okay, fair enough. Look at it again in verse eight. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We could spend weeks going through this passage. And I don't, I want to do it justice, but, but we're not here for weeks in this passage. We're here for tonight. And I hope that we're all getting this sense of, of how just much he just, he just wants to know Jesus. There's just nothing, just nothing more important to him. Nothing. He says, I'll suffer. I'll go wherever. I'll do whatever. I, I just, I just want to know him. That's just the most valuable thing in my entire life. So what we are saying as a church is that that is going to be the pursuit of our like like that's the pursuit of our corporate lives together. We want intimate relationship with God, with Jesus Christ Himself, not for our glory, so we can seem awesome, so that just for His glory. Um, that's that's what we're about. When people, if they want to know, like, what's the ring all about? You know, some would say, some would say, you know, different things. Small groups or 
or missions or, you know, they have a, like a, a real strong, you know, homeless ministry or this and this and this. They have a band that, you know, does what they, you know, what they do. I mean, I was telling them, we got here today and, uh, we, we had to shift personnel around. So how many places does the worship leader say, oh, I'll just jump on drums? No warning, no rehearsal or whatever. Like we have, we just, I don't know, people might say there are different things that the ring is about, but, but all those things matter, they don't matter at all. Like, if we don't know Jesus and love Jesus, and if that intimate relationship with Him is not what we're striving for, then everything else, we're just putting on a show. You know, we're just doing stuff. We're no different than, you know, the, uh, some social club or some whatever out there. Like, no, 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 we're, we're here, we're here uh, to know our Lord. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you strength. And we say, okay, I'm coming. He says, draw near to me. I draw near to you. Abide in me. Your life will bear much fruit. We say, okay, let's get to abiding. Okay, I want, I want to know you. I want to know him. That's it. And so that's our, our covenant commitment. We have said as a church, we've looked each other in the eye and we've said, we, we are committing to pursue a more intimate relationship with God for His glory. We are going to do this. So that's a defining, like, defining quality of our relationship. Is that, that's what we're going to do. Um, now, Nathan, would you put the, the statement from the covenant back up? So, so you, you see where Paul's coming from, and you, you under, I don't know, you kind of see that. Um, and in that same spirit, and, you know, like I said, front to back, it's all about just knowing the Lord, loving the Lord, um, that's what we've said we're going to do. Notice that it says we commit to pursue this relationship by devoting ourselves to, and it lists prayer, study of God's Word, pursuit of holiness, uh, life in this Christ-centered community, faith, hope, and love. Um, the pursuit of intimacy with God leads us to devote ourselves to these things. So it's not like we've said we're just we're going to love God. Everybody says, yes, we're going to love God. We've said we're going to love God. Um, and we're going to, that's such an important thing that we're going to um, be very specific about how we're going to like pursue that. Because you, you ever feel like loving God is such a, such a, like a huge, big, mysterious like thing, you know? Like in the fall, you know, we spent some time in the 23rd Psalm and it's just such, such, so specific about Him loving us and Him caring for us and just, that's, it's just so, it's just, it's just beautiful. And we know we're supposed to reciprocate that. But sometimes it's like, I don't even understand how that, how that works. How do you love the God of the universe, you know? How do you love this God that, that's, you can't see? You know, we, we try to, try to think about, oh, it's, well, it's kind of like how you love, love your spouse or love your friends or love your family or whatever. We try to think of it in human terms, but it just, it just doesn't work, you know? It just falls short, you know? It gets you a little, I mean, it kind of helps a little bit, but then you're just like, I don't, Past that, I don't really know. It just seems so intangible sometimes. And so what we've said is we're going to devote ourselves uh, to these things that bring us there. Now, devotion, that's, that's not a, you know, it's not a foreign concept in our culture. Uh, there's just lots of things that we are devoted to. And, and there's lots of things that are just, they're great that we're devoted to. Uh, but I, I wrote down, I think I wrote down, um, some things about, about devotion that, that we know just, Culturally and just from our experience here, um, one of the things that about devotion is that those things that we're devoted to they take 
they take priority over the other things in our lives. That, you know, if, if you are, if you get engaged and you live in South Louisiana and you want to get married in the fall, what's the first thing you check? You check the LSU schedule. Because everything in life completely flows around LSU football. Now, this is not a football is idolatry sermon. So don't, you know, whatever. Um, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, let's admit it. We live in a culture where, like, that takes priority over other things. Um, it's, it's how we schedule our weekends in the fall. It's how we, uh, spend money and spend time and all this kind of stuff, you know. But there's a priority that's there and the things that we're devoted to. And so just across the board, now not everybody, but generally speaking, our culture is very devoted to LSU Tiger football. And, um, and so, but that's just how, kind of how devotions work, is that there are things that become secondary and thirdary, or wherever you go from the other ones, but uh, things that, uh, yeah, that get sacrificed because, like, our things we're devoted to, that's like, those are a priority for us. Um, the, the second thing that, that I wrote down um, is just how much of ourselves we invest in the things we're devoted to. Uh, we invest a, just an amazing amount of, of money in things that we're devoted to. It's kind of how the, how the world works. There aren't, there aren't tons of, uh, whatever, hobbies or like things that we can do that don't require some, some kind of investment financially. And, uh, especially like, I mean, there's some like super expensive hobbies out there. And, you know, I mean, I know like in, in, in my own life, there's just plenty of things I do where I, if I were to total it up at the end of the year, like I probably should, or probably should have a budget or whatever. Uh, uh, but how much money is like is invested into some of those like some of those things would probably shock me. Um, but there's just there's a lot of investment in the things we're devoted to, whether it's money. Uh, but the other big investment is time. Um, you know, for for people who are uh, like people who are outdoorsmen. Um, you know, I have a friend. He's, he he always says like, you can't kill ducks in your living room, and so that's his deal is like, that's what he always tells himself when he has a day where they don't kill any ducks is that's his thing. Like, well, can't kill them in your living room. So I don't really know what that means, but, um, but like take out outdoorsmen sink a ridiculous amount of time and money into the, into being out there and fishing and hunting and hiking and doing whatever. There's just, it's expensive. Um, I'm not saying that those things are bad. Uh, but what I am saying is that when you devote yourself, like if you, if you get to that point and you say, like, I'm going to be like a bass fisherman, you need to be ready to sink money into it and sink a lot of time into it. Otherwise, uh, it's not you're not really devoted to it. Um, so if you claim to be an outdoorsman but you never do any of that stuff, then you're not really an outdoorsman. You know, it requires that devotion of time and money. Um, the the third thing that I wrote down uh, about devotions, though, is that it's the things that we're devoted to, like we're always talking about. Always talking about them. Uh, you take a, like, one of the things over the years in the ring to go from, like, 100% college students and, and to kind of, like, start to add, engage people and marry people and then people with kids, you know, as people grew up and came in and stuff like that. It's really, really interesting to watch the, the conversations go from, uh, like, my roommates are so annoying and this professor, you know, such a jerk and whatever, and I changed my major again, my parents are mad at me. Um, that kind of like evolves into 
Uh, I just got my first job, and I think I'm super rich now. And uh, but I don't know what a 401k is, and my parents won't insure me anymore, and I gotta find my own dentist, you know. And then, uh, but then it goes into like wedding planning and dealing with in-laws and stuff like that. And you're getting married, and that kind of changes. And then it, then it becomes like kids, you know, whatever. Those are like the things you're devoted to. You're always talking about. You don't you don't find a husband and wife who are devoted to each other, but yet they never they never like bring them up in conversation with their friends. You have parents who have kids. I mean, what do they talk about all the time? Their kids. They're showing pictures. They're telling stories. They're laughing about stuff. They remember the time this happened and all that kind of stuff. And it's awesome because it's showing I, I'm devoted to my family. And the, the way you can tell that is you can listen, listen to what they're talking about. That's how our devotions come up. Voted to LSU football, you talk about it constantly. Voted to outdoor stuff, talk about it constantly. Voted to your, your marriage and family, you talk about it constantly. That's it. Those are ways that we see those devotions show up in our lives. And if, if you really want to know um, kind of where where you are in life, look look at look at where those things are going. Look at what what in your life does everything else flow around? What are you sinking your time and money into? And what are you talking about all the time? That's how you know that's how you know where your devotions are. And uh, please all those things are they're awesome. Like we like all those things are really, really good. But and for the next ten minutes, just stick with me, okay? Because it might be a little random. Uh, I'm a little, I'm kind of under the weather, so I'm kind of delirious. So, uh, don't tell me that you are a devoted LSU football fan, and you you never go to games, watch games, keep up with it, have any idea what's going on or whatever. You're not a devoted fan if the, those are not the thing. You never talk about it. You never. The, you're not a devoted fan. Don't tell me that you're an outdoorsman if you never go doing things outside. You know, so don't put the sticker on your truck with the duck, fish, deer thing or whatever, uh, and whatever. Wrap your truck in camo. Do all the stuff you want. But if you're, I mean, if you never do any of that stuff, then you're not a you're not a devoted outdoorsman. You're just not. Um, don't tell me that you are devoted to your marriage if, if you never spend time with your spouse, um, you never talk about your spouse. Don't say you're a devoted parent if, you're, if you're, your kids get on your last nerve and you never do anything with them, all kinds of Don't tell me because you're not a devoted parent. Um, you're not a devoted spouse. Um, don't tell me that you love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and you never pray. You never get in the Word, and you never pursue holiness, and you never you never live in real community. Don't don't tell me that you love Him, and yet those very things, those very devotions, are not a part of your life. Don't don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to this community. Don't kid yourself into thinking that you love Jesus if those things don't happen. Now the reason I ask you to stay with me. It's because some of y'all are probably irritated right now that I just said that. And I understand, because I debated and sweated, like literally sweated, over like, should I say that? Can you say that? You can't say that if, if the motive behind it is, therefore, start praying more, reading your Bible more, um, being holy and living in community so that Jesus will see that you love Him. So that he will be happy with you. 
That's, that's legalism, and that is not what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, that's a ridiculous statement for your pastor to make if that's, if that's the landing point, is therefore do this stuff better. Um, it's, not legal, it's not legalism if the motive behind it is what I'm about to just explain. Um, that these, these devotions, they're the, they're the ways that love for Jesus is fostered and grown. And so do I want us to pray more as a church? Absolutely. Not legalistically so that we can earn His favor or display, look, no, no, I really do like you, look at this. No, because in prayer, if we, we connect to what's true about God. And we know Him and we love Him and that intimacy grows. So yeah, I want us to pray more. Yeah, I want us to be in the Word. But not to check off, did I, was I, was I you know, spiritual today and had my quiet time? No, because in the Scriptures, the, the truth about who God is is revealed to us, and we see that and we respond to that. And that, and like, we taste and see that the Lord is good through those things. Do we want to pursue holiness just to keep people's behavior intact? In no, that's not what we're about. We want to pursue holiness because, like Paul said, like, I want to be just like Him. Like, I want, I want to, to live a life that is separate from sin because He died for that. And I want to be devoted to the glory of God. Like, I want, I want to know what that's like to, to, to exist, to live in the kingdom right now. I want to pursue that. Because in that, I, I know my Savior, and I love my Savior, and that it just perpetuates. You know, I want to do this in the context of community. The fact that all of us are called the same thing. We have really, really different everything, but we have a whole lot of the same. That we're in this together. You're not in it by yourself. So you want to figure out how to pray and how to study the Scriptures and how to live in community and how to do all these kind of things? We have access to one another. That's what we collectively said. We're committing to pursue the intimate relationship with God for His glory. So let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Let's help each other. Let's pray for each other. Let's be encouraging. Let's get in community groups all over the city and let's get in the Word and figure this out together. How are we going to know Him more? How are we going to love Him more? So go back to what I said a second ago. Like, don't don't say you love Jesus if these things aren't aren't happening. I want you to, to hear that as a as a not a push into legalism, but a push into relationship. The things we've listed here, and we could list dozens more, are ways that that intimacy grows. It's the cycle that perpetuates. Just it just goes more and more and more and more. It just amps up and amps up and amps up. So if if you're in a place, and I think this is. I think sometimes it's the best place to be to be able just to stand there and say, you know what, I just don't really love Jesus very much. But but I want to. Jesus says, come on. Let's let's get into the scriptures. Let's let's pray. Let's let's pursue life. Let's pursue life together. Let me teach you how to do this. Let me put you in, in a group of people who are also doing the same thing. Let's all figure this out together. You, and you taste and see that the Lord is good, and we love it. And you want more, and you want more, and you want more, and then other people are wanting the same thing. It just amps up and amps up and amps up. And that intimacy with God that we're pursuing, it just it becomes more and more and more of a reality. Every single day for the rest of our lives until we get to go be with Him. Like that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're trying to do. You see, this, this, is, this is not a game, you know. 
I'm not saying that our church thinks it's a game. I don't think you think it's a game. But just a reminder, this is not a game. We're not, we're not playing church. We're not trying to, you know, start something new and it's at night and it's different or whatever. No, no, no. We're doing something really, really old. It's not a joke. And if, if we aren't willing to pursue this in a serious way, I mean, a joyful way, but a serious way, then there are plenty of other churches who don't give a rip about this. And that's not a statement against them. It's just saying we're just not going to, we're not, not in that camp. Um, we're going to figure this out together. So please don't hear me saying what I'm not saying. Don't hear me saying that LSU football, family, outdoor stuff, whatever, fill in the blank, whatever, those things are bad. They're not bad. Compared to knowing Jesus, though, I mean, we're talking knowing Jesus, decaying body. Let's never lose sight of that. But recognize that that we are called by Jesus to draw near to Him. We're committed as a church to pursue that intimacy, intimacy with Him so much so that we've said we're going to devote ourselves to that, to these things because those things take us there. Those things foster love and and adoration within us. And so we're going to do the things that are going to, to feed that side of, of of us. We're going to we're going to do the things that are going to intentionally like build our faith and build our love. We're going to do that on purpose by devoting ourselves to it. And I don't know where where the where it rests with you, you know, tonight. Um, <clears throat> you might be in the camp of people that's like, you know what, I I, I don't I really don't think I, I like love Jesus. I think I like him. I think I'm on board with him, but I, I don't think I love him. If that's you, you don't love him because because you don't know him yet. And so just keep in mind that Jesus says, Come to me, all of you, come to me. You can know me. And it's cheesy, but to know him is to love him. They go they go together. And that feeds itself. And some of you might be a little bit confused or you might not like this sermon very much, because you're like, Well, he told me I don't must not love Jesus because I don't pray. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. You know, like I'm not, don't, don't doubt your salvation and don't, don't read into, like I said, don't hear what I'm not saying. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, if you're praying, something isn't, something isn't where it needs to be. And Jesus is the one who can put his finger on that area of life and say, I'll fix this if you want me to. And we just surrender and say, come on, let's, let's go. And a part of what, of that solution is going to be is devote yourself to getting in the scriptures. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to pursuing holiness and Christ-likeness. And devote yourself to doing that in the context of other people who are doing the same thing. Let me teach you how to do this with one another and by me as your example. So, don't know where it rests with you. And honestly, uh, that's just between you and the Lord. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about, about knowing Him in this way. is that He can tend to each one of us very, very unique and special ways. You can also tend to us corporately you know, in this big blob kind of way. Uh, I think it's pretty phenomenal. So um, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to respond. And everybody in this room will respond based on kind of where you, where you are with things. We're going to give you a little chance to kind of figure out what that is. So 
Let me pray for us. We'll kind of just sing a little bit more, and uh, we'll be done. Let's let's pray. Lord, what a, I mean, what a challenging passage of scripture there in Philippians. I mean, every time I read it or think about it, it's, I don't know, it just pushes me. But I ask you, Lord, to, to just to speak to each one of us who are yours, and say, just remind us that that Paul didn't have, he wasn't more saved than we were. He wasn't more gifted than we are. He's doesn't have more of the Holy Spirit than we do. He's not any more valuable in your eyes than we are. Paul, but Paul knew you. He took you up on your offer. You said, come to me. All who are weary, heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Right, meek, lonely, heart. You'll find rest for your souls. He, he took that invitation seriously, and uh, in many ways, we're here tonight because he did. And yet, you look at each one of us with the same invitation, same potential, the same. I mean, it's just it's right there. We, we want to know you. We want to live in that covenant that says. We will be your people, and you will be our God. We want to love you with our heart, soul, mind, strength. We want to taste and see that you are good over and over and over and over again. The truth is, all the people in this room are probably all just in different places tonight. Um, Regardless of the fact that we're all in different places, the invitation to all of us is the same. You are the source of all love and joy, and your arms are open to us. And uh, you just look to us and you say, Look, you want to know me? All right, let's go. I pray that we would not be, that our next step from here tonight would be one that's legalistic, of saying, Okay, I'm just going to start praying more, this and this and this, that our motive would not be of trying to earn something or, or whatever, but that we would see these disciplines, that we would see the scriptures and prayer and community and all these things as as a means was connecting to the truth of who you are, the truth of who we are. We would see your story just lived out in front of us. That we would see this, that we would hold the scriptures in our hand and see from beginning to end this the, the themes and the threads that run throughout the whole thing of, of grace and mercy and compassion of redemption of the glory of Christ through the transformation of his church uh, we would see that and as we see it we taste and see your goodness we, love is it's just what happens we connect to you and we go closer to you and then we want more we want to hear more of the story we want to pray more. We want more of community. We want to learn more and grow more. Pray that that you would begin to just amp us up. That you would accelerate that. That things would begin to perpetuate tonight. 
some things we put into motion, especially for those for those who've just been so whatever for so long. It wouldn't be a jump into legalism, maybe a jump into a relationship, and you say, "Here, here's how it works." Pursue me through these things, and you will not be disappointed. And so may we as a church be faithful in our response to whatever you're stirring in us. As we stand and sing here a little bit, that again, like we prayed earlier, that ambushes would be set. That some things would just happen that we wouldn't necessarily be able to sense, but that we would stand in faith and sing and just entrust ourselves to the one who saves. Just spend a few minutes talking to the Lord. We'll sing just a second. sing this song. This song tells the story of, or at least part of the story, of what we're talking about here. Helps us to just respond to who he is and what he's done.